Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 331. It is Friday, March 26, 2021. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and an update to the CNA ransomware attack. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. Happy Friday, everyone. We made it to another weekend, whatever that means to you. Some of us work on the weekend, so some of us drive our kids around to different things, but it is what it is, and I do apologize for not recording yesterday. Uh... Microsoft is actually kicking my behind this week, so I had to take a break and get some stuff done. Um, wherever you listen to this, if you could like, share, comment, or review, that would be spectacular. And if you're in a HIPAA compliant business, you can go to Facebook and or LinkedIn, type get HIPAA compliance into the search, join the group. All right, let's jump into it. There's a few updates CISA has informed us of Mozilla Firefox, which was actually the day before. Um, Firefox, you should be on Firefox 87, Firefox ESR 78.9, and Thunderbird 78.9 for all you Thunderbird lovers out there. Cisco released a security update um, You can for multiple products, so you can visit the Cisco Security Advisories page at tools.cisco.com slash security slash center slash publication listing. Just go to just go to tools.cisco.com slash security. You should get get it from there. Samba released security updates for multiple versions of Samba. Uh, they're, again, addressing security announcements. They are being tracked, one of them from last year, CVE 2020-27840 and CVE 2021-20277. So get that taken care of. And CISA has also announced that they are observing post Web shells in post-compromised exchange servers. So there are a bunch of alerts, including two new ones for web shells, which, again, is part of the Microsoft Exchange proxy logon vulnerability that was announced, I think it's been almost two months now. Um, If you have not patched and then mitigated any potential risks, then you may be one of those organizations that has a web shell sitting on your exchange server for the whole world to access. Threat Post says that Facebook disrupts spy effort aimed at, and I'm going to say this wrong, so I'll spell it for you first, U-Y-G-H-U-R-S-Ugers. The social media giant took down legions of fake profiles aimed at spreading espionage malware. Facebook was take, has taken on a group of hackers in China that target the Uyghur ethnic group with cyber espionage activity. The hacking group known as Earth Empusa or Evil Eye, which Evil Eye I've heard more often, was targeting activists, dissidents, and journalists involved in the Yurgi, 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 I guess, community, primarily those living abroad in Australia, Canada, Kazakhstan, Syria, Turkey, and the United States, among other countries, by using fake Facebook accounts for fictitious people sympathetic to the Yurgi or Yurgi. Yeah, Uger Community Facebook said Wednesday that the group was sending malicious links in Facebook messages that, if clicked, led to espionage-focused malware infections. Uh, I mean, that just goes to show, I've never even heard of this group, so 
I think we talked about it once before on a podcast, uh, but I'm not at all familiar with them. And if they're being targeted, then so is everybody else. Microsoft offers up to 30000 for Teams bugs, another way for you to make some money in this time of economic challenge. If you join a Bug Bunny program, Bug, not Bug Bunny, Bug Bounty program, Bug Bunny, that would be kind of cool. Um, you can make some money, and there are multiple platforms that do this, and they most of them teach you as well. So you ha- can go in knowing nothing and learn how to do this, look for bugs in software or websites, and get paid for it. So now if you find a bug in Microsoft Teams, you could get up to $30,000. So that's pretty cool, right? Go make some money. Cloudflare Page Shield early warning system for malicious scripts this is on bleeping computer cloudflare cloudflare has released a new feature that aims to protect websites from magecart so if you don't know magecart is uh we've talked about it a lot on this podcast so you should know but if you don't magecart is similar to card skimming when they put a reader on a an atm or or a gas pump kind of the same concept except they're going after e-commerce websites so you're shopping websites will be uh, compromised with a card skimmer software version, usually JavaScript um, software, JavaScript script that will steal your credit card information. So Cloudflare is releasing a new feature that will um, prevent or present early warnings to potentially compromised or potentially potential victims of a mage card attack. And it is rampant. Um, this is why I tell people, if you're not familiar with the site, then don't use it. Um, there are ways to mitigate the risk, including uh, pri- go to privacy.com, and you can get yourself a one-time use credit card number and not have to worry about things like that. Uh, so, But Cloudflare has taken some steps to prevent that, so that's good news if you use Cloudflare. Uh, an update to the, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Backblaze mistakenly shared backup metadata with Facebook. So Backblaze, short story, I'll make the long story short. Backblaze, which is a um, software that you pay for monthly, it's 5 or $6 a month, where you can back up your computer to the cloud, and it's an unlimited backup, so it doesn't matter how much storage you have or how much data you have, it will back it up to the cloud. And this is consumer usage. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend Backblaze for commercial usage, at least not from what I've seen. They're very slow for res- restoration. But um, it's a great resource to back up to the cloud. It also protects from ransomware because it has separate logins. Um, they use Facebook pixels to create ads, except when they created these Facebook pixels. So if you're if you're familiar with Facebook pixels, it's a tracking code that's put in websites so that if somebody's visited your website, they now go to Facebook, they you might see an ad for your website again. So you know Amazon does this. If I shop, if I go on Amazon looking for a particular item, I'll return to Facebook, and that item will be in my Facebook feed as an ad. Um, so it's a great resource for remarketing. However, it's not so great when you add the tracking code to the back end of Backblaze where the only people that are supposed to be able to see your page are you. So you have a, a back end 
for your cloud storage to check on your backup status and maybe retrieve a file or two, you can do that. Um, but the tracking code, the Google, the Facebook pixel was added to that. So now that potentially was seen on Facebook. Uh, Backblaze discovered that 9,245 users visited that page um, while the Facebook campaign was active between March 8th and March 21st. While the campaign ran, the third-party tracking code collected file and folder metadata such as file names, sizes, and dates and uploaded to Facebook servers. So potentially sensitive information that somebody didn't want out there is out there now on the Facebook server. Hopefully they just remove it. But And an update to insurance giant CNA, which we... Um, mentioned i believe on the wednesday podcast that they were maybe tuesday they were hit with a ransomware attack wasn't a whole lot of details yet but now we have more detail it is the crypto locker ransomware and it's possibly linked to evil corp hacking group so the cna insurance company hit with a ransomware attack by potentially by Evil Corp, and it is the the Phoenix sorry Phoenix Crypto Locker ransomware, which we have not seen. I don't think I've 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 seen Crypto Locker. I did not know there was a variant called the Phoenix Crypto Locker. Uh, does not state what the demand is. Um, so no other information other than that, and so it should be. It's important to note that cyber insurance companies and CNA does offer cyber insurance, among other things. They offer cyber insurance. They are a target. And there was another one that was hit last year. I don't remember who it was. Um, they were hit last year. So this is not the first time this has happened to a cyber insurance company. They were hit with a ransomware attack. No idea what the ransom demand is or the status of restoration. At this point, it does not really update on that. And we have some HIPAA news, actually quite a bit of HIPAA news. Hospice CEO pleads guilty to falsifying healthcare claims and inappropriate medical record access. Former CEO of Novus and Optimum Healthcare Health Services, which operates two hospices in Texas, has pleaded guilty in a fraud case that saw Medicare and Medicaid defrauded out of tens of millions of dollars through the submission of falsified health care claims. So Mr. Bradley Harris, 39, will be looking at some time according to the acting u.s attorney for northern district of texas recently announced that bradley harris 39 pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit health care fraud and health care fraud i don't know why it says that twice well he committed health care fraud and is now awaiting sentencing in addition to defrauding federal health care programs out of tens of millions of dollars. The actions of Harris resulted in vulnerable patients being denied the medical oversight they deserved, saw prescriptions for pain medication written about physician input without physician input for his financial benefit and allowed terminally ill patients to go unexamined. Harris admitted billing Medicare and Medicaid for hospice services between 2012 and 2016 that were not provided, not directed by medical professional or were provided to individuals who were not eligible for hospice services. Harris also admitted to using blank pre-signed prescriptions from controlled substances and provided the drugs without any involvement from physicians. Two co-conspirators, Dr. Mark Gibbs and Dr. Layla Hirji, were, 
were paid $150 for each false order they signed and would regularly certify that hospice patients had terminal illnesses with life expectancy of six months or less without having conducted any examinations. Dr. Gibbs and Dr. Heji and a third physician, Dr. Charles Leach, provided blank prescriptions for controlled substances, which allowed Harris to prescribe schedule two controlled substances to Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries in a hospice without guidance from a medical professional. Harris also violated the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, also known as HIPAA, rules when he accessed the medical records of patients to identify individuals who could be contacted and offered Novus hospice services. In the summer of 2014, Harris negotiated an agreement with Express Medical, which allowed him to access the medical records of potential patients in return for using the company for lab services and home health visits. Previous patients of Express Medical were then contacted by Harris's wife and other hospice staff to recruit them, regardless of whether they were actually eligible for hospice care, hospice services. This allowed Harris to recruit new hospice patients to avoid exceeding Medicare's aggregate hospice cap. So there you have it. Looking at, um, well, he's looking at 14 years in jail. So I'll, let's see what happens. Hopefully we get an update on that at some point. Massachusetts Mental Health Clinic settles HIPAA right of access case for $65,000. So another right of access case. I don't know where, I think we're at, are we at 20 now since last year? Arbor Hospital and Mental Health Clinic in Boston, Mass., has settled a HIPAA right of access investigation with the HHS Office of Civil Rights and has agreed to pay $65,000 penalty. Uh, the case was from July 5th. A patient of Arbor Hospital alleged he had requested a copy of his medical records from the hospital on May 7th, 2019. I should say July 5th, 2019 as well, but had been had not been provided with those records within two months when healthcare provider receives a request from a patient who wishes to exercise their HIPAA privacy rule right to obtain a copy of their healthcare records. A copy of these records must be provided as soon as possible, no later than 30 days. So I just had this conversation with someone a few days ago. That is the rule, 30 days max. But you also have to show that you made best efforts to get it sooner. Um, and I don't, let's see. Usually what happens, the first complaint, OCR will go and investigate and say, you need to. This is what you need to do to resolve this issue. And if you don't resolve the issue, then the second action is now you're going to be have a financial penalty and usually a corrective action plan as well. It is the fourth HIPAA right of access enforcement for 2021, and I don't remember. I I want to say there was 16 last year, so that would be 20, but I could be wrong. So don't quote me. And Ms. Kuhn, look at 65,000 is a popular number today. Global Anesthesiologists has recently discovered a limited amount of patients. Protected health information has been exposed due to the technical misconfiguration. The error was determined to have occurred prior to December 14th and made PHI, also known as protected health information, such as names, health insurance information, date of service, medical procedure, and dates of birth publicly accessible. An investigation into the error was concluded on January 28th and confirmed that the PHI of 65,403 individuals had been exposed, while the PHI would potentially have been ex accessed or could have been potentially accessed by unauthorized individuals. No evidence of unauthorized data access or PHI misuse was discovered. They always say that. Nashville, Tennessee-based Haven Behavioral Healthcare has announced that 
unauthorized individuals gained access to parts of its network that contained the protected health information of patients. The breach was detected on or around September 27th. An investigation was immediately launched and third-party cybersecurity experts were engaged to determine the nature of the scope of the breach. The investigation revealed that systems were subjected to unauthorized access between September 24th and September 27th. And on January 27th, it was determined files of those systems contained patient information. A review of the files was completed on March 11th. The notifications letter letters started to be sent on March 23rd. So a little too late. That's, uh, let's see, that's six months. It's supposed to be 60 days. Heart of Texas Community Health Center has discovered the protected health information of limited number of patients has been exposed. An email containing patient data was sent to individuals authorized to view the information, but the email was sent to an account that was outside the protection of the firewall, so could potentially have been intercepted as the email was not encrypted. Always encrypted. Email only included an email address and indicated the email account holder was overdue. A pap smear, no names of or other information was included in the email, so the email only related to female patients aged 21 to 65 years of age who have or were seen at the heart of Texas Community Health Center site between September and December of 2020. So a little bit vague there, but still, nonetheless, it, it, it does qualify as a HIPAA breach. Um, the last two didn't include numbers, so I don't have that information for you. But kind of a hodgepodge of, of HIPAA breaches here. That is going to do it for this edition of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily and for this week. So until Monday, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.